Wow, thank you, Amber, so much for sharing that. That's so encouraging. Um, well, a morning again. My name's Dan. I'm the vicar here. And I'm so glad that today I get to finish off our little series, All Things New. I wonder, do you, um, do you ever get surprised how quickly life can go from all kind of easy to absolute chaos in what seems like just a moment? Like uh, the other week, we had been out shopping and we were getting ready to go home and we went to the car and we strapped our one-year-old into his car seat, Cohen, and then we shut the door, walked round to the boot and click, the car locked. And I was like, oh, I've, I must have leaned against the keys. Where are the keys? Oh my goodness, where are the keys? <gasps> Cohen's got the keys and he sat there in his little car seat with the keys that he'd pickpocketed, happy as Larry and very pleased uh, with himself. So we're like, what do you do? We're like against the window being like, press the button, press the button. And he's got his little finger and he's about to press the button and then he sees us and he's like, ha ha, like, hey. And we're like, no, no, press the button, press the button. He's about to press it and he's like, bored now and just throws the keys on the floor. We're like, oh my goodness, what do you do? We call 999, the fire brigade are there in moments, absolutely incredible. And uh, they have secret skills. They got into our car without breaking the window. And within moments, he was there with his photo with the firemen. Life can go from very normal to absolute chaos and back again. Although Kate and I aged about a decade in the process. Uh, when those moments happen, often what's under the surface can really come out. Uh, for better, for worse, uh, the need to try and control things, to freak out, to run away, and lots of other options that don't really help. And I have to say, um, it's been a real encouragement as we've become part of this church. It's been really inspiring to see people going through moments far more chaotic uh, than that moment in their lives and responding with such faith and with such trust in Jesus. And not only in your own troubles, it's so encouraging to see so many of you leaning into and stepping into other people's troubles to support them in those places, visiting the sick, caring for the vulnerable, welcoming people into your homes. And as you voluntarily step into the chaos, as you voluntarily follow Jesus into those places, it can be quite challenging. And I suppose the question is, what happens the moment after courage when you step into the chaos? A friend of mine recently voluntarily did that in his workplace. Something had blown up. There was an office in his company that they were going to have to shut down. And that meant an important work stopping. It would have meant people lost their jobs. But everyone kind of knew that that was what needed to be done. And he just felt the Holy Spirit say, you volunteer. And he's like, thanks very much. And uh, no one would have blamed him if he hadn't said, but he, he raised his hand and voluntarily stepped into this situation. Really challenging. But a year later, miraculously, it had come together. And I remember being so surprised. And I said to him, like, you know, when you stepped into this, could you see the light at the end of the tunnel? And he was saying, light? I couldn't even find the flipping tunnel. Like, that's how complicated these situations often are. And when we step in, that's the moment between courage and chaos 
that we need to know that the Lord is at work. Now, the last three weeks, we've been looking at the story of Exodus. And if you haven't heard James and James's talks in the last few weeks, I really encourage you to go check them out. And the story up to this moment is that the people of God have been slaves in Egypt. And God says, not only am I going to give you freedom, I'm also going to give you a future. And he sends them a leader called Moses. And the whole Bible is an echo of Exodus. The whole Bible is an echo of this story of of us being led out of slavery into freedom. And so Moses comes to them. He's sent to Pharaoh. He says, let them go. More times than a four-year-old who loves Frozen. And eventually they're led out and they're on their way. And then they come to an impassable body of water. Bad. And then the slave masters change their mind and start chasing up behind them. Bad. And this is where we meet them. So this is Exodus 14, verses 10 to 17 and 21 to 22. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. And there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out into the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, Do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be silent. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the waters so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Amen. This is the scene that we're going to focus on today. And I love this imagining of it by the artist Caleb Simmons. Uh, You have Moses standing ankle deep, paddling, if you like, in the water, an impassable sea in front of him. An army intent on slaughter coming up behind him and an angry crowd surrounding him. This is the moment of fight or flight. This is the moment where we ask, am I going to be a bystander or a game changer? This is us as we stand between courage and chaos and then choose to lean in. And the first encouragement of this story is to expect chaos. A friend of mine who uh, took a new role at the uh, bank that he worked in uh, said, said to me recently, there's a new skeleton in every cupboard 
every week. And he wanted to quit. I won't tell you which bank. Um, When we step into chaos, it can be really tempting to want to run away, to think I'm not in the right place. But the first thing this story shows us is that this is normal. When you find yourself in trouble, we don't need to be surprised. We're told in verse 8, the Israelites who were marching out boldly. This is the people of God. They're leaving the greatest victory ever known. This is you when you start a new job, start a new relationship. It's the first week of successfully overcoming a destructive habit. And then in verse 10, The Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them and they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. In two verses, they go from boldness to bricking it. All is going well, all falls down. If that's your reaction, you're in good company. This is very normal. Whenever we try and change something for the better in your life, in your work, in your family. Whenever you pray, Jesus, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Opposition is not far off. You know, the moment we get set free, like the Israelites, you will feel opposition from your past pulling you backwards towards it. It will feel like your future is blocked, that there is no way through. But here's the real problem. The chaos is not just out there. The chaos is also in here. You'll also get the internal grumbling in the present, that voice that says, we shouldn't have tried this in the first place. This was all foolishness. And I love the response of the crowd. You know, it's so encouraging. They're so supportive of their leader. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out here in the desert to die? It's so sarcastic. It's so faithless. It's so like me. It's so like me. So often, you know, don't forget, they've just seen miracle after miracle, sign and wonder after sign and wonder. And yet the moment it gets hard, they turn on their leader. Yeah, that's what I'm like. So often I see Jesus do things time and time again. And yet I'm still so slow to trust that he'll do it again. Now, ironically, unlike probably Moses on the receiving end of this feedback, I find this quite encouraging. Like in the book of Numbers, it records more of their sarcastic comments. This is my favourite. If only we had meat to eat. Remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost and also the cucumbers. (laughs) Like never forget that the human heart will seriously contemplate trading in all the promises of God for a half-decent zucchini. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, they say at no cost. It's a total illusion. Yeah, you didn't pay for it, but you had no inheritance, no protection, no rights, and they killed their kids. Oh, but the cucumbers were to die for, which they literally did. The chaos is not just out there. It's also in here. My desires are so confused. My wants don't know what they actually want. And when I encounter that, the default is to run back to safety, to run back to what you know, even if it's not as good as the promise that God has given you. And the good news of this story is that when we find ourselves in chaos, we don't have to do that. The bad news, if you like, is no blessing goes uncontested. But the good news is no battle goes unblessed. 
The encouragement of this story is that this is the place that God loves to lead in. And these are the kind of people that God loves to lead. See, what this story shows us is that God is not surprised by the chaos that surrounds us. God is not surprised by the chaos within us. Whenever you see yourself in this situation or this in you, you can be encouraged that this is the place. You are the person that God loves to lead. I mean, we see it. Think about it. In Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, this is Jesus' manifesto for what life is going to be like if you choose to follow Him. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus assumes that at some stage you'll be tempted to divorce your spouse, tempted to argue with your friends, tempted to want more than you need, uh, tempted to be racked by anxiety, guilt and shame, judge others for the fact that they feel the same way that you do and also ignore absolutely every word that he says. Jesus knows what he's getting himself into. He's not surprised and yet he still invites us to follow him. He still offers to lead us. What grace. If you are leading in chaos, if you are in chaos, you can be assured that God wants to work in you and through you. So we step in. We accept that He wants to work in us. We accept that He wants to work through us in our families, in our workplace. What next? Well, Moses says, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you will see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be silent. And when he says silent, that word is interchangeable between silent and be still, which is hard because both of those are quite alien to us. I don't know about you, but when was the last time you sat in silence or in stillness for a long period of time? A while back, the news at 10 went viral after a technical hitch left Hugh Edwards sat in silence. We, we have the 10 o'clock news here. We're going to watch it now. strange and rare to have silence in our world today. Many people said that this was the most encouraging news broadcast they'd ever heard. Our world is full of words, but in chaos, we're told to start with silence and stillness. When the chaos comes, be still. Don't run back to Egypt. When the chaos comes, be still. Don't jump into the sea before God has made a way. When the chaos comes, be silent. Don't grumble because the Lord will fight for you. So what does this actually look like when things are going crazy at work with your family, in yourself? Well, one way to be still is to practice gratitude. Gratitude. 
We live in a world, both physical and digital, that is constantly trying to sell things to us, to say that the now you isn't as happy as it could be, and you should become the future you by buying our stuff, and then you'll be content. And gratitude is a way of stepping out of the endless march towards progress and purchasing by just taking stock of what Jesus has already given given you by saying thank you. And it can literally just be listing everything that you have in this moment. A friend of ours who was really struggling with crippling anxiety said it got to the point for her where she would literally just go and thank the Lord for every item of clothing one by one, thanking the Lord for this step and then this step. But as we take stock in gratitude, it pulls our attention and our focus on on, on all the things around us and helps us focus on what the Lord is already doing as he fights for us. Like, look, it's so interesting. Look at how many times the people mentioned Egypt in their complaint. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out into the desert to die? What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone and let us serve the Egyptians? It had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. They say the same thing in four slightly different ways and they're all focused on the problem. And gratitude helps us focus not on the chaos, but on the comforter, on the fact that the Lord is already fighting for us, the one who at this very moment is working for you. And that builds our faith. That's a way to be still. A way to be silent is by asking for forgiveness. See, no matter what battle you are facing, the biggest battle that all of us will face is not out there, but in here. The chaos within is greater than the chaos without. What the Bible tells us, and what every day affirms, is that something is not right with us. Yes, we are beautifully and wonderfully made, but that's not the whole story. At the core of us, there is this mysterious mix of brilliance and brokenness. Jesus calls it sin. And it puts us out of sync with God, out of sync with creation, out of sync with one another, and strangely, even out of sync with ourselves. And when we become aware of the sin in our lives, one of the ways to deal with it is to speak, is to justify it or to deny it, or to minimise it. But there is another option, which is to be silent. To say, Jesus, I've no excuse. I have no hope outside of your mercy. I love this prayer from the Maori church's confession when they celebrate communion. They say, some sins are plain to us, some escape us, some we cannot face forgive us. Do you know what? Like Amber said, that is such a relief. It's such a burden when we don't have to defend ourselves. You know, if we're honest, like Moses, often I find myself standing at an impassable body of water representing my sin in front of me. The consequences of my sin racing up behind me and being surrounded by a, a large crowd of accusers around me. And in that moment, I can speak and deny or minimise my sin 
But eventually reality catches up with me or I can speak and justify my sin. But actually, that's a heavy burden being your own attorney for the rest of your life. And, you, uh, and you, oh, all, you, you'll never find a situation where you no longer have to prove yourself uh, and you're only ever one step away from being eternally cancelled. That's exhausting. That's a burden that we weren't created to bear. And instead of fighting for ourselves, we are told the Lord will fight for you. You need only be silent. Staying silent means letting the best loved picture of yourself die. Being honest and saying, Jesus, I've got nothing to offer. No excuse. Forgive me. How do we know that in that moment we will be forgiven? How can you know that you are forgiven? Well, as amazing as this story of Moses and the people of God is, it's just a small foreshadow of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Jesus, who like Moses, stepped into an even greater chaos. Jesus, who in his trial stood with his enemies behind him, death on the cross before him and an army of accusers surrounding him. Jesus, the only person who could have said the right word at the right moment and got off free. The only one who could have spoken and defended himself. And instead, Jesus remained silent before his accusers. In faith, Moses stretches out an arm and delivers a nation. But in faith, Jesus stretches out both arms on a cross and delivers the entire world. This is the greatest act of faith. As when Jesus died, there was absolutely nothing he could do to raise himself from the dead. He entirely trusted the Father to bring him back. And by his Holy Spirit, God raised his son from the dead. And he doesn't stop there. Jesus now stretches out his arms towards you in invitation to say, follow me and you will have life even in the greatest chaos, even in the chaos that brings from the grave and from death. He will bring you life. And when you focus on the resurrection, when you think about the resurrection and give thanks for the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and know that that same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you, then that will give you a faith that allows you to follow. The Lord says to Moses, raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through on dry ground. Do you know what? God doesn't need us, but He delights to use us. Love loves to involve the beloved so that we grow and so that we get a ringside seat watching His Holy Spirit at work. And do you know what? Sometimes it looks really silly. Like following Jesus can look really silly. It can look really stupid. Like imagine Moses, he stretches out his hand and then we're told the waters divide. And I would have been like, Lord, how about we try it a different way? How about you start to part the waters and then I spread out, like stretch out my hand, you know, and then we both look good. And the Lord's like, no, you step out in faith and stretch out your hand. And as you do that, I'll part the waters and then I'll look good, which he says multiple times in this passage. And we read, all that night, 
the Lord drove back the sea with a strong east wind. All night long, as Lionel Richie sang, the wind blew to drive back the sea. It didn't happen instantly. Like it took time. Rarely do the miracles come instantly. You know, relationships often take a long time to heal. A team culture or dynamic takes time to grow. The miracle often takes time. It did not look good at the crucifixion, but it looked very good at the resurrection. And Jesus invites us to follow him into that gap. And we read, the waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and a wall of water on their left. And faith is key because that is when we are most like Jesus. Faith is key because that is when we are most like that which we are becoming and which we are promised that Jesus will grow in us. And that is the life of joy. See, one of the ways that we here as a church step out in faith as a community is that we plant churches. Why? Well, our mission as a church is firstly to worship Jesus, then to tell people about Jesus, and then to care for those who are in need. What that looks like here is that we worship Jesus on a Sunday together and in our groups in the week. We, we tell people about Jesus using the tool of Alpha and also through Safe Haven. We, we feed about 300 people a week, as well as a whole raft of other ways of caring for people. Our job is to serve our city. But we do that most effectively when we don't try and do it all from here. When we don't try and do it all from this building. Because Brian and Hove are quite large. The world is quite chaotic. But when the Lord has spoken, and when the opportunity has arisen, St. Peter's in the past and by the grace of God will continue in the future, has been obedient to send out our best and to go and plant churches. And I'm so excited that today I get to announce the latest partnership into the north of Brighton, which is going to be to All Saints Patcham. And I would love you as we watch this video, to be thinking, is the Lord asking you to step out in faith, to partner with this church? Let's watch this video. 